Hey guys, welcome back to Off the Water. Summer is here. It is hot outside. I'm your host, Darth Yacker. I've got Tyler Caldwell with me. Um, it seems like it's been forever, but we're back. Uh, the fishing is getting hotter, especially over in Florida, where I think uh, snapper season kicked off today. So we've got some special guests coming on tonight. Uh, Matthew Van is here with us tonight. Uh, Brandon Barton's going to be joining us shortly, and we're going to be talking about summertime kayak fishing along the Redneck Riviera, down in the Florida Panhandle, Pensacola area, and maybe some surrounding areas. So uh, this is a show when we started um, the podcast, Off the Water, uh, I think we're on episode 16, Tyler. So 15 episodes was a show I've been looking forward to for a long time. I know these guys. Um, I, I've seen the fish they brought in. I've actually gotten to fish with Brandon before. And it is a kick in the ass. So, um, you know, this is an episode you're going to want to definitely check out. And after, you know, you, you're going to want to be calling up and, and booking your summertime trip right now. Get in early. The uh, the big snapper are out there right now. Um, you can certainly catch snapper later on the season, but uh, the big ones are out there right now. So you're going to want to um, book a trip with them as soon as possible. So uh, before we get to them, we're waiting on um, on uh, Brandon. So, uh you know, Tyler, um, how's your summer going? I mean, it just kind of started, but man, it seems like we're really into it right now. Yeah, see, we know summer's uh full full on effect now. I went fishing two weekends ago, and it was it was hot, man. I tell you what, we had hardly any wind, and man, it, it's hard to even want to stay on the water past about eleven o'clock. Yeah, so I know you actually got to uh, to go out fishing recently, didn't you? Yeah, no, not not this past weekend, but uh, I guess two weekends ago, I went um, down to Lake Hermitage. How how did you do down there? I know I know we talked about it a little bit. Um, I didn't I didn't get all the details. I understand you had a lot of um, what what did you put it? The uh, line malfunctions. I think is is how you put it. Uh, <laughs> defective defective line is is what I. I don't hear. know. Uh, you know, I think I had some old braid, but uh, I had a I hooked up my first fish on top water and it broke off and uh, shortly after I saw it float up, so I went and grabbed it and and pulled it in the boat and it still had about ten foot of braid on it, so it just broke right in the middle. And uh, I tied it back on, was fishing a little bit more, hooked into another red, and it broke again. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's the braid. I looked at all the eyes on my rod to see if anything was maybe cutting it. Uh, couldn't figure it out, so I don't know. But uh, I, You know, I've had that happen sometimes. You just, for some reason, you just seem to get some bad line or a bad section of line. And, um, I, you know, sometimes I think it's just cheaper to just go ahead, strip it off, put some new line on there because you're going to lose a fish that's going to be important. Who knows? It could be a star tagged redfish, you know, brand new boat of the line and you're hooting and hollering. You pull it up and that line snaps on a 18 inch red when it certainly shouldn't snap. And you're going to be thinking, well, that, that 15 bucks just cost me, you know, a $20,000 boat. So, um, that's something. Now you got to go fishing with your dad that trip. Yeah, I did. He, he, uh, he hadn't been in a while, but got to get him out on the water again. He, he's always, always a good time fishing with him. So, uh, yeah, he I, is. I, I savor those moments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know um, we had uh, Aaron LaRose went fishing out. Um, he was down in the parish this weekend. I think he was either in Delacro or Reggio or something like that. And um, he, he said he had a limited redfish. I know a, a few other guys have been fishing down there. I think you had a friend of yours that was fishing down in Delacro, had a limited redfish. I mean, the redfish are really this time of year. It's hot. You got to get up there early. You know, you know, make sure you bring plenty of um, fluids, but you definitely want to get up there early. And, and the redfish are there. I mean, people are, are catching limits of redfish early. So 
uh, they're out there right now. I'm sure this, the, the, the regular baits, your gold spoons, um, you know, some, uh, certainly with all the grass growing right now, you're going to want to fish weedless baits out there. Uh, you do a lot of sight fishing, despite the high river, we're still seeing a lot of clean water on the inside. Um, you know, was that your experience, Tyler? I mean, you found some clean water. I mean, certainly the water in down Highway 23 normally doesn't get as clean as it does in Delacroix Reggio, but I think it still gets gets fairly clean. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't Delacroix Delacroix clear by any means, but uh, it was it was fairly good clarity, probably uh, a foot and a half or so. Yeah. So I know for most of you viewers out there, you're usually seeing me in a, in a little bit different perspective. Um, I have my, uh, my camera up, but I'm in a hotel today. So, uh, fingers crossed I get through this without any, any bad blips on the, on the screen. Um, Tyler and I were, were messing around with this earlier and, and, you know, tried to upgrade my internet and it, the hotel wouldn't let me. So, and that's a whole different story, but anyway, I, I had a busy, I'm exhausted. I had a busy week last week. Um, for some people that may not follow me, uh, last week was a big week for me. I graduated from Harvard Law School. I did. Look, I got the shirt to prove it. it says, see, Harvard, Good. Harvard Law School. So for most people, it takes three years to get through Harvard. I did it in a week, Tyler. That's I did it in a week. Impressive. It is. It is. Now, look, in full disclosure, my parents are pretty connected. They're famous people. And I had to join the Harvard squash team. <coughs> but, you know, hey, you know, I. I Fuck it, I could play squash. I guess you know. I mean, they, those guys are playing it, but um, it was it was a really good time. I've never been out to, to Massachusetts before. Uh, I flew into um, to Boston. We went out in Cambridge, and Cambridge is just a beautiful city. Um, it's like the best way I could describe it is imagine being on LSU's campus, but it's an entire city, right? Because it's all these little bars and hotels, and everybody's riding bikes, and the temperature is fifty eight to sixty eight degrees with no humidity. Mm. My wife got to fly up there with me, and she was like, um, why are everybody outside? Everybody's got dogs around here. I was like, everybody's got dogs home. The problem is is that it's so hot, no one wants to walk their dogs. So um, we decided to do a couple things. Um, one of the things I wanted to do was go see Salem because it was kind of like on my bucket list with the, you know, the witches and all that. And I'll be honest with you, it was pretty lame, um, very commercialized, <laughs> didn't enjoy it at all. At the Witch Museum in Salem, they were selling Harry Potter robes and wands. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I was thinking maybe they showed some really good shit and, and, that, and that was it. The highlight of my trip, aside from, from really, I got to go to a class at Harvard for a week and that was great. The highlight of my trip, though, was um, we were looking for something to do on Saturday to kill time between Salem and, um, and to fill up our day. And we went out to Gloucester, Massachusetts. Um, I don't know if, if anybody's familiar with the city, but Gloucester is uh, the city where the, the, the perfect storm took place. That movie, The Perfect Storm with George Clooney and um, Mark Wahlberg about the, uh, the fishing boat, the long line um, sword fishing boat that went out. It sunk uh, 1991 and everybody aboard was uh, was killed. Um, more recently, though, they filmed um, Wicked Tuna. If anybody watches Wicked Tuna on National Geographic, these people go out for the bluefin tuna. A lot of the boats for um, Wicked Tuna, including, uh, I think, the boat Hard Merchandise, located, they, they launch out of Gloucester. That's their home port. So they go out and they fish George's Bank and all that. So I was actually uh, in the city, and you know we were checking out some of the areas where these boats come in, and they, they harvest these bluefin tuna. And I was actually, we were eating at a restaurant um, 
with one of the um, right across from the restaurant was one of these big uh, like fish stations where they come in. They had the crane that comes out to pick up the fish. I mean, these bluefin tuna can go 400 to 1200, 1500 pounds. They're massive. And they pick them up with a crane to get them over there. Um, but I was really fascinated. I, 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 I didn't know how old Gloucester was. Um, and we got to visit a lot of the memorials and got to, got to see a lot of the, um, the city dates back to actually the 1600s, the early 1600s. And when you kind of put that in perspective, you know, America didn't declare its independence until 1776. So, you know, and the pilgrims came over, I think Tyler and I, you and I were looking at this earlier, the pilgrims came over in the Mayflower in like the early 1600s. So when you put that in perspective, Gloucester is one of these first cities that really developed out there. And um, it was it was a fishing city. Uh, apparently I know some of the, some of the things we looked at that the city was abandoned around 1623, 1625. They, people went down to Salem. Apparently it was a better, it was a fer, more fertile area for people to grow, grow crops and everything. And then they started coming back into Gloucester. One of the interesting plaques that was out there was a, um, a, a plaque on a bridge that they had that, uh, divided a bay into the ocean. You know, I mean, it's literally a bay and then there's a strip of land that goes off into the Atlantic Ocean. And uh, it was actually dug in 1643. These people were digging this area uh, to, to give access for boats into a protected area into the uh, Atlantic. And it's a huge fishing community. Um, you know, bluefin tuna is huge, huge out there. Uh, swordfish, uh, a lot of other fish that they catch out there. And when you start looking at the history and the age of the city and thinking about everything, they've got these plaques about um, they're really connected to their fishermen out there. I mean, probably more so than any other city I've ever seen. Um, they've got a memorial uh, to all the fishermen that have been lost at sea. And the memorial is on these plaques. And there's, I don't know, there's probably 10 plaques, these huge plaques, kind of like the Vietnam War Memorial with all the names on it. And that that list dates back to like 1716. So, you know, over 300 years ago, they've got a listing of all the people, you know, the, the, the mates and the captains and everything lost at sea. Uh, at last count that they had was over 5,800 people that were fishermen or in that type of industry that were lost at sea. And, um, you know, they've got a, another memorial, of the, the wife with the kids and they're kind of overlooking the water waiting for the fishing vessel to come home with their husband or their son or their brother. And, uh, I I'll be honest with you. It was something that, that I really connected to that. Um, I really haven't connected to any other city because I see this is a city that, that focuses, that, that lives by the water. They live and die by the water, you know? Um, and you see their connection to the water and it makes me think of all the other people. We're, we're lucky. We don't have to go 30, 40 miles out really to do our fishing, you know. But for the way of life that they live, they're going out there. In the 17 and 1800s, there was no VHF radio. There was no cell phones, you know, and there was no radar. You know, you, you know now when the storms are coming. And I think the loss, the last loss of life that was significant was actually back in 1991, um, with the perfect storm. That's when the people on the, um, that ship, uh, uh, went, went under. So 
it was it was a real interesting. If you're ever in Massachusetts, certainly uh, it's a city that, if as a fisherman, as somebody who likes the the ocean and you feel a connection to the ocean, I think you really feel connected to that city. Uh, just walking around it, the memorials, uh, the people around there, watching the boats come in, the water. I mean, we're on the bank in the city. We're looking down. It's five, six foot of visibility right there. The water is just crystal clear. It's gorgeous, beautiful water. Um, I took a picture. Actually, my wife and I were driving in, and I see all these boats in these mud flats, and they're tilted over. And I'm looking at them. Says, I said, Kim, I don't understand this. I said, Why are these? Where? How are these boats? I mean, was there a big north wind? I mean, I've seen this in um, Louisiana in two or three foot of water where these big North, you know, wind systems come in, they push all the water out and everything's in mud flat. But this is summer. I mean, this is June. We're in, you know, 60 degrees. There's no strong north winds. So I talked to a couple of guys that were, uh, were putting, putting some uh, some kayaks up. Looks like just some kind of day cruising kayaks. I said, hey, uh, what's the deal? Why, why are these boats in mud? He says, ah, it's the outgoing tide. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, yeah, the tide hadn't come in yet. So they have an eight to 10 foot tide swing. So we're down here and we're thinking two foot is a big tide day in Louisiana. If it drops two foot, they're talking 10 foot. When that tide goes out, those boats are on mud flats and you're not going anywhere. There's no pushing the boat into the water to get going. The nearest bit of water is a good 30 yards away. So, you know, you're literally sitting there and I guess uh, there were some boats that were parked in the middle, literally anchored in the middle of the bay. And I suspect you had a little take a little paddle boat out to get to your boat or you just have to wait for the tide to come in. Otherwise your boat's sitting in the mud, but we went and walked around a little bit. And within an hour and a half, by the time we came back to our car, those mud flats were full of water and you could literally launch your boat and come back in. That's how fast that water comes in and goes out. So I'm not used to that. Uh, certainly being over here, I, I know in some places it's even bigger. Um, the water was beautiful. Uh, as soon as we got out the car, the one big thing you could smell, Tyler, as soon as I got out, the salt in the air was, you could literally taste it. It was so salty, you know, um, which even going into like Florida and some of those areas, I've never smelled, I guess, water that salty that it was actually in the air that you could, you could envision. So um, some of the, uh, the parting words I, uh, I had was we were at a restaurant and on the menu was lobster stuffed lobster. So it was a, it was a, it was a two and a half pound lobster, which is big. And they stuff it with meat from a one pound lobster. So they chop up that lobster and they put it in there and then you got lobster and lobster. And I said, man, that's, that's a lot of lobster. And the waitress says to me, she goes, well, uh, you come to Gloucester for the lobster. <laughs> what are you talking about, you know? Big Boston accents. They're, they're, they're a lot of fun, but um, it's a beautiful city. The weather out there is fantastic. Um, you know, I, I wish we had time to do some fishing out there. If I'd have known Salem would have been so lame, I'd have convinced my wife to go. You can actually do bluefin trips out there where you charter and they'll take you out for a bluefin. The problem is you don't get to keep it. It's crazy. You catch the bluefin if you catch one and then they sell it and then you get 25% of whatever it's sold for up to the amount of the charter. So your best case scenario is you break even and you caught a bluefin, right? So you would think maybe you'd get to keep the whole thing, but there's so, you know, there, there's so much demand for them. 
Um, it's like the the upper echelon of sushi, if you will. There's so much demand for them, they make you sell them, and uh, and you get to keep some money. So, anyway, that was my trip in a nutshell. Uh, it was beautiful. I'd love to go back and maybe do some fishing up there for some swordfish or um, over some bluefin tuna. But um, if you get a chance, it's definitely uh, an area you want to check out. Skip Salem. It's a beautiful city, but uh, you can see the whole thing in five minutes. It's just really not worth the, the stopover. But um, look, guys, I know we've got Tyler posted this on Facebook today about um, these offshore trips and, and everything with Matt and Br- Matthew and Brandon. And um, we got we got a lot of responses and people want to know about it. A lot of people are, are, are asking about it because we're we're right into it. We're right at the beginning of the the season. So I think uh, Brandon's on with us now, Tyler. Yeah, yeah, we got yeah. him now. Great. So look, let's let's go over to, to to Matthew and Brandon. Um, guys, you know, take turns. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. Uh, you know, one of the big things about this is we like when we bring people on that they introduce themselves. Uh, everybody gets to know them. So next time you're at a tournament, now Matthew and Brandon live over in Florida, but they do come down and fish our tournaments, and for the most part, kick. 95% of our asses, you know, uh, so they do a really good job. So tell us about yourselves, guys. Go for it, B. Yeah, well, uh, so you guys know we do a lot of kayak fishing over here. Um, we go offshore, get into some snapper and sailfish. It's pretty special over here. Got so many different types of fish. We, we love going over there and catching redfish and trout and all that stuff, but, uh, being able to go offshore and experience what a lot of people only get to experience from a boat, but being able to do it from a kayak is pretty amazing. Um, we caught sailfish, tarpon, red snapper, king mackerel, grouper, tuna. Um, there's even been a couple wahoo caught from the kayaks out here. Um, it's pretty amazing. And uh, as soon as I got my first trip offshore and hooked into that first king mackerel, I was definitely hooked into the offshore kayak fishing. Um, the water is amazing out here, especially in the summer. It's super clear. It's that emerald green, and uh, we get flat winds usually during the summer. The surf lays down, so you have really no surf, um, no wind, and it's flat calm. <clears throat> it's not always the best for trolling when it's flat calm, but getting out there and get to the reefs and snapper fishing uh, really makes it amazing. It, it's it's something that's kind of undescribable until you get out there and really get to experience it and catch a 30 inch red snapper or a giant king mackerel or, or tarpon or whatever you go after um right now it's prom time may june july is when it really starts to kick off and then we get you know all the way up to september october a good offshore uh get a lot of mahi out there this time right now um brandon, I, I, tell, us, I, tell I, us about you tell us about you. Well, let's get to the fisherman i want to I know about brandon where, where, where's brandon from I'm actually from North Carolina, the middle of the state. Uh, I moved here probably 15 years ago. Didn't do a lot of fishing, kind of grew up skateboarding and just being wild and little bass fishing, <laughs> fishing growing up with my grandpa. Uh, moved down here, kind of started bank fishing, and I went on a boat called Bull Red. And I always was, when I started wade fishing for trout and stuff, I'd always see them schools of bait out there getting slammed by fish and I was like man I wish I could get out there you know I just didn't have the means to really get a boat and I didn't really want all that hassle either um but what's, what's weird is what really got me into kayak fishing I uh cobia is a real big thing here you know a lot of people go on the piers and chase cobia and you got the big sport fishers that run up and down the beach so you know I got kind of pumped up into that and was was really wanting to go out and cobia fish so I bought a custom cobia rod a pier rod 
nice reel. I went out on the pier to go go try to catch a Kobe during the Kobe season, and the pier was lined up elbow to elbow. And when I got out there, I was like, "No, nah, this ain't this ain't for me," you know. Uh, so I went online. I started doing some research, and I seen there were some there were some local guys in this area. Um, Chris Lewis, he was kind of like an OG in this area. Him and his buddies from Destin were were fishing out of Revos and stuff, and they had caught cobia, sailfish, all that stuff. So I just went out and demoed, you know, I demoed a, a Hobie Pro Angler, and I did demoed another kayak. But tax income came, and I I knew what to do, and I pulled the trigger, <laughs> bought the Pro Angler. <laughs> Ever since then, it's it's an obsession, you know. It's it's even hard to balance all that with family and kids, you know, because you you guys know how it is. But it's definitely. Yeah. A, bad as session but it's good you know so absolutely and, and so you live out of uh pensacola right now yeah i live in pensacola the west side of Perdido key area it's right on the border of uh, alabama and pensacola i think oh, most wow. of us uh most of us here are very very familiar with uh Perdido key area and orange beach and gulf shores and you know it's the it's the closest nicest water i think to us you know once you get past uh you know mississippi and and, and into um into that area, you know, before you really start getting into right. Florida, but Pensacola is great. So, um, now you, you do a lot of fishing. Um, how often do you fish? You, you fish at least once a week, don't you? Well, more, definitely more than that. It depends on the weather, but I, I mean, I'm mostly two to three times a week at least. So. Did you, did you go today? Yeah, I did. You did. Did Now today was the opening of snapper season, wasn't it? Yeah, but I didn't go snapper fishing. Ah. I, went after, I went after work looking for something else off the beach. So. Yeah. Yeah. Was it in a bikini or, or, or was it swimming in the ocean? Uh, nah, it was shiny. It was shiny, shiny silver bikini. Yeah. Big, <laughs> big silver bikini. Did, did you see anything in a big silver bikini? <laughs> no, I didn't today. They have like, they have large mouths of the big silver bikini, right? That's right. Yeah. I've seen those. I've seen those on the beach as well. Actually, I've seen you a couple of pictures with you with a big shiny silver uh, bikini with a large mouse. That's right. <laughs> that's that's great, man. That's great. What about you, Matthew? Um, where are you from? Uh, let's see here. I'm from Pensacola, Florida. Uh, I was born and raised here. Um, left here when I was uh, just out of my first semester of college. Went out west. Lived out there for a few years. Uh, traveled all around the country. I've been back here since Hurricane Ivan. And what what year was uh, was Ivan? I, I get my that hurricane. was going to be about let's see, fifteen years ago. So maybe was it oh four? Maybe okay. That goes two thousand four. Was that something that you got into when you came back? Uh, no, I, I was pretty much fishing from a very early age. As soon as I could hold a fishing rod, I grew up bass fishing around here. Um, raised in swamps, uh, bass, brim fishing, cat fishing. Um, did a little saltwater fishing as a teenager um, and then picked up fly fishing. And really, that was like my earliest, you know, true passion of fishing was fly fishing. And uh, so whenever I moved out west and traveled all over the country, uh, that was kind of my gig. I just fly fished everywhere. And it wasn't until I moved back um, after Ivan that I got real serious about saltwater fishing and um bought a kayak pretty early on uh because i wanted to get get further um you know extend my range pretty much and um i bought a kayak i owned two 
kayaks before I got my first Hobie. And actually I met Brandon at, um, at three mile bridge one night. And, uh, and he had his first yellow buy a Hobie pro angler. And, uh, of course we hit it off the first time we ever met. We like stood at the boat ramp and talked for like an hour after we fished. And, uh, I mean, we had never even met each other. I see a man crush coming on here, Tyler. Oh yeah. (laughs) I was like, man, that kayak's sick. And he just started like telling me all about it and stuff. And, uh, I was like, man, I'm gonna have to get me one of them. And it, it was like, not even a month later, I'd sold two of my other kayaks and <laughs> bought one. And so, uh, but yeah, saltwater fishing for me is really uh, where it's at. I mean, I love to bass fish a lot too. And I've been doing that a lot the past few years, but uh, it's really hard to compare anything to hooking into 150 pound tarpon or, you know, a 20 pound red snapper in your kayak. Just, uh, or even even a 20, 30 pound king mackerel, you know, there's this see a sailfish walking across the water, uh, you know, and you're in a, a little plastic boat, it's a pretty big adrenaline rush. You know, it's hard to hard to not get obsessed with something like that. So Yeah. Now now Matthew, I know um you're married and you've got kids, right? Yep, yep, I'm yeah. married and I have uh, five boys. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> what 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 range yeah. what age ranges? Uh, my youngest just turned 11 and, um, and he's just a little mini me. He's awesome. He's kind of a perfect blend of the other four. Uh, and then my oldest is 23 or four now. I can't remember. I think he's fixing to turn 24. Now I see you, you're always, I mean, you got the mask on. I know, I know see the pictures at work and you do a lot of construction and stuff like that. So I, I suspect with all the damage down in Panama city, everything with the storm y'all have had to been pretty busy lately huh uh yeah you know i I used to do a lot of storm renovation and stuff like that but uh, i've been into carpentry and painting my whole adult life and uh i i do some of that but now i build homes so i I do custom home building and i tell you man finding custom home builders it's it's tough to find people that do really good work that you know you can trust and all that um so your your wife though she your wife really supports what you do, you know, and I know yeah, that's going to be a big part yeah. of your success. Really, that's the key to my success um, because, you know, you know the saying, happy wife, happy life. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm not just kayak fishing, but tournament fishing and guiding. And um, I, it's I've had my ups and downs, you know. It's certainly feast or famine a lot of times with all of it, with competitive fishing and with guiding. And... Um, you know, I am always the most successful when things are going well at home. You know, when, when things are good with her and I, when things are good with the kids, when work is going well. And I don't have to think about that kind of thing. You know, a lot of people use fishing as an escape mm-hmm. um, from all of that. And, and, and I have been, uh, I have done that at different stages of my life. But now I'm in a really good space in my life. Um, got a great support system, wonderful children that are all happy and healthy. And so now for me, fishing has really, you know, turned into just something that I love to do. It's like my church, you know, and it's, I'm not really trying to escape from anything. I'm just trying to get immersed in, in fishing and you know, being out there and, you know, enjoying it. So it's yeah. just, you know, you, you bring up a really good point. Um, I was at a job where I was constantly worried about stuff, you know, and even when I was fishing, I'm thinking about work, I'm worried about work, I'm focusing in yeah. it. And you, you, you lack that focus when you're fishing and, you know, that's okay. But when you're in tournaments, you, you need to be focused, especially when you may go at some turn, sometimes you're going three, four, five hours without a bite. 
and yeah. you just lose it mentally. Um, recently, I, I, I got into a new a new career, and it allows me the opportunity when I'm out fishing, I'm completely tuned in on the fishing, and I don't have that external noise. And the difference, I think, what I've been able to accomplish and do uh, this year as compared to prior years has just been incredible because yeah. I don't have that noise. And I think a lot of people, you know, um, they're, they're, they're not as fortunate, you know, they, they, they've got that outside noise, you know, you, it's always something you've got family, you've got work, you've got money, you've got all these different things going on in your mind. And sometimes it's very hard to, to focus on what you're doing, but, you know, certainly you've managed to create that nice balance. Um, I can tell looking behind you, um, Tyler and I were talking earlier about maybe, um, wanting a trophy room like that. He's, he's fortunately got a lot more time to build up that, that type of hardware than I do. But, um, you know, it's I got, a few, got a few years, got a few years yeah, on you guys. Yeah. It's really impressive Tyler. to see, to see what you've been able to done. And I know you, um, Brandon, I know you're, did you recently get married or are you engaged? I think you just recently got married, right, Brandon? Yeah, I just recently got married. We've been together for, for years, for 15 years. So yeah, recently Todd and now we got two kids together, 14 year old and a 10 year old. So Right. And I saw pictures recently. You all, y'all were like uh, crashing a golf course fishing together, huh? <laughs> yeah, tell me about, tell me about that. That, that looked, I was like, man, they must be out there early. Otherwise I would think the groundskeeper would be chasing them off or something. <laughs> After hours or when it rains, so that's that's the key. Is going after hours, looking when they close, and if it's raining, that's the time to go because no one's out there golfing, you know. So yeah, and so y'all are just where, where, where right? you're where you're running shoes. Right. I haven't had any issues with that one that I went to, but I've heard there's another one locally in the area that that's supposedly dishing out five hundred dollar fines if you get fishing there. So and I'll probably try to sneak into that one sooner or later, but. I noticed you didn't identify the golf course you were fishing at, just that you were on a golf course and you were fishing the ponds and you were, you were casting from a distance. I mean, I saw at one point you were casting from a ridge way up into the water and, and, and catching these bass. I mean, are there any, any size to the bass out there? Are they all just kind of like fun? Uh, yeah, I haven't hooked any really good size ones on that one. I've only been to that, that golf course probably three or four times. They've all been pretty small. Yeah, I think the biggest is probably like two and a half pounds, but still just to walk around and, and cast and hook up, you know, they, they're pretty hungry in there too. So. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, they probably don't get a lot of new bait in there. Right. Right. No, they don't. I did, did find another spot the other day that I just looked on Google maps and I did find a <laughs> pounder. That wasn't a golf course though, but that was, <laughs> that was I, really cool to find and, and go in there and catch a five pounder out of there. <laughs> I remember seeing a fishing show one time, Matthew, I think they were in North Carolina or maybe it was South Carolina where they were fishing for redfish on a golf course and they were going to these, they were catching some big redfish. Uh, I guess it was this golf course that connected to the ocean or something like that. But I saw them catching some really big redfish on a golf course. I thought that was like, wow, man, that, that'd be great if I go into golf course. Might start golfing. <laughs> yeah. I know yeah. it's kind of like that. I've never fished on the golf course to the salt water, but I've been in the salt water looking at the golf course before and it's a it's a pretty good spot too, but it's possible you could hook a big red or a big trout right there. I've fished out of uh Panama City before and they've got that um that resort that's that's back on the bay. Uh I forget the name of it off the top of my head. My friend my friend had a condo back there. But um it's it's on the bay and you golf and you're you're literally going through these areas that's all salt water. And we've seen fish 
you know, now mind, mind you, they weren't in the golf course in these ponds, but they were right there along the edges, you know, and I'm, I was kind of more interested in that than the golf, right. but, um, yeah, it was really cool. So y'all, y'all actually fish together a lot. I know y'all go to a lot of tournaments together. Um, y'all do like IFA tournaments. I know y'all come down for minimalist. Uh, y'all came down for, for the Bayou coast championship and everything. Um, so is that something y'all, y'all, y'all plan, y'all plan a lot of these trips together and, and try to, I, I know driving long distances is boring as hell. Uh, but when you have a friend to do it with you, it, it, it makes it nice. Yeah. We, we've been, we've been like tournament partners for pretty much ever since we met. I mean, when we first met, we were, we weren't doing as many tournaments, mainly local stuff, but, uh, Brandon had been doing the IFA for a year or so trying to get me to do it with them. And, um, you know, that's kind of where we started was doing the IFA together. And, it, you know, it's nice. We always or you know, we've always encouraged people to, to try to have that type of relationship with someone because not only, you know, the whole riding together aspect and saving money on where you're lodging, but also, you know, breaking down a body of water. Um, you know, for us in Louisiana, we kind of like, we've always pretty much fished together close to one another and then branch off and come back and stuff like that. Um, and we've been fortunate in our, you know, success and finding fish that way. But like, it's also nice to be able to split apart, you know, and go and find different areas and figure out different things and then, you know, come back together and share your intel. And, you know, of course you're always competing against one another, but you want your partner to do well. And, you know, I'm always happy when Brandon does well and encourage him along the way. And he does the same for me and it's worked out really good. I, I can promise you that it's elevated both of our games, um, you know, cause we're both really competitive and, and we're both really supportive of one another and neither of us would be where we are today uh, with any of this stuff without the other pushing, you know, so hard and, and supporting. And the, yeah. and the loser has to drive home, right? Isn't that the deal? Well, <laughs> well, always to drive of, home. Well, yeah. Well, he's been kind about driving home. I drive there. He drives home. He's he's really good with navigation and music, and you what, know what we, we both have our strong points. I'm the DJ. What if he's what if y'all DJ. what if y'all tie? What what happens if y'all tie? <laughs> oh, this is a song. Here we go. That's happened. Way yeah, too so that happened. We, I know that happened two years ago. I think at minimalist. Yeah, we. Twice. Yeah, we've tied with the exact same weight exact twice, same and, uh, and which is crazy, man. Uh, and supposedly, we were uh, whoever, well, whoever drove, you know, got to weigh in first. Uh, but then it was going to be we were going to take turns. But of course, you know, Brandon broke that little rule. And so, <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, he, 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 real he, now. He, he, he owes me one for sure on that on that front. So one of the, one of the best videos I think I saw, this was, oh my God, I don't know how many times I watched it. It's been a while. One oh, of the best videos Lord. I saw was, uh, you guys were fishing together and, and y'all were recording and, um, uh, you had power pole, uh, anchors and there was, there was remote and, uh, I wanna, y'all tell me about the story cause I remember it, but I, I forget who did who, but right, that yeah, was, that is- was funny as shit. So Brandon, we had just gotten our new low ranch units or no, no, actually they weren't even new units. It was just an upgrade. And Brandon's real savvy about that kind of stuff. He's tech dude and he loves to have all his gadgets 
working perfectly. And, you know, I'm just not that guy, man. I, honestly, Brandon helps me get a lot of my tech stuff together. Like, I mean, he just, he enjoys that stuff. I don't. That sounds you know? very familiar. <laughs> yeah. And so he had updated his low ranch unit and we had had, it was actually minimalist challenge and we had had a tough morning, man. We were grinding and we weren't catching anything. And so we decided to make this long run to this other side. I mean, way, way, way different part of the water. And, uh, and we were just kind of cruising along. And then all of a sudden, my power pole starts going down. And you know how sometimes you'll click that thing and it won't work? Or, or it'll, it'll, I mean, this, they have a mind of their own. Well, mine had another mind going on. <laughs> the, da- the damn thing just kept going down and I'm getting pissed, man. I'm trying to fish. I'm trying to stay focused. I was already pissed. And that damn thing keeps going down and he's, he's laughing, but, and I'm like, what is he, is he saying something? He's laughing at me. And then, and then he, then he'd bring it. And then I, I, he'd let me mess with my remote and then it would come up and I'd get going and then he'd drop it again. <laughs> and then finally I caught him laughing. He was dying laughing about to pee on himself. And uh, I'm like, are you mother? Are you doing this? And <laughs> so then he caught to it. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty famous video. Not the first time he's made fun. Yeah, of so me. so uh, he pro he programmed it to his Laurent his Laurent's with the upgrade. Right. Yeah. yeah. The Bluetooth picked up. Every time it comes up, I mean, I don't know how long ago that was, and I, I remember when it popped up like uh, on your memories, and you shared it, and I laugh every time. I mean, it's, oh, I laugh so every fun. time. I mean, that's just one of those that yeah, would drive me yeah. nuts, thinking you know, equipment malfunction, what's going on? Why can't I just, you know, why did I have to get a thousand dollar anchor? I could just use a fifty dollar anchor. What have these damn problems? And he's just over there clicking the button. You know, fishing's getting a little slow. That, oh my god, that's funny. It makes me wonder if he's had a fig- way figured out to, to program all my tarpon of getting off the hook all these years <laughs> and, and, and his staying on. The funny he's part about that, too, he was just, he was so agitated. I mean, every time I, pre- I, I, I thought he was about to throw something in the water. He was, he was mad. <laughs> oh, Lord. The things, the things he does to entertain himself at my uh, You got to do something when it's slow out there. No, you got hey, to. Hey, hey listen, we ended up th- – that that moment, though, really changed our mood and dialed in our focus because yeah. we went on. We went on, and we got to our next spot, and we crushed it and, and ended it. up – Right. I think we got fifth and sixth or sixth and seventh with a tie. With the tie. Same exact way. And, of course, I was supposed to weigh in first, and he skipped but me. You were the gentleman, I think. I remember you saying, no, no, after you, sir. Uh, and after you. And so, obviously, the <laughs> – the 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 tiebreaker and any tie is who weighs in first. Brandon's right in front of you, and and he weighed in first. And I cannot believe you guys had the exact same weight <laughs> on that, and then tied. And then um, I don't remember if you had a draw. I know you got a smaller check. Uh, yeah, smaller check. And I drove his ass home because he was he all in celebration mode. He was a whole. I'm gonna go I, over I on Facebook. Know we're gonna tie. Who really thinks you're gonna tie and wait? You know. Yeah. So. Yeah, well, I just am going to assume that now. Yeah, but. Brandon, you were close last year. You took second, I think, at minimalist last year, right? Right. If I'd have had a trout, I'd have won the whole thing. That's all yeah, I'd you'd have won the whole thing. Long. I know. I know those damn trout. Giant red. red. Didn't you win big red too? Yeah, I got was big, big red. red? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was one of them days, man. I'll tell you exactly how that went down because it was a pretty awesome story. I pulled up to the spot where we actually caught him the year before, 
and, you know, we weren't really catching anything and he kind of moves along and, and all of a sudden I see a dolphin push a, a redfish up on the bank. That never happens to me. Right. I went over there. And he, <laughs> it never happens, Tyler. Did, did that happen to you at Minimalist, Tyler? No, not me. Yeah, just it's just not fair. Well, I had a I had a uh, the top water tied on as a popping cord with the shrimp underneath, and mm-hmm. I went up there, threw it to right where that dolphin had busted that redfish on the bank, and a redfish blew up on the top water, but not the shrimp. So I come right behind it with one of the paddle tails we had, and from the second hit the hit the water, I probably. I don't know, 20 something slot reds. Just, it was just every other cast. And uh, Brandon and Matt and all them, they all came over there. And Brandon looks at me and goes, I- I'm just like in shock of how many slot reds I, you know, I was catching. And Brandon looks at me and says, Why are you still fishing for redfish? <laughs> I'm like, It's fun. You know, when you're catching fish, it's hard to leave. You know, I know I need to go get a trout, but man, this is so much fun. Yeah. It, it, it's hard to leave. I mean, we were uh, we were catching flounder at Paddlepalooza, which we never do. But we were catching flounder at Paddlepalooza, and it was like, okay, catch the one and then leave, right? right. You know, you just got to catch the one and leave. It was the first time right. we could actually catch multiple fish. But I know, look, we got some people on here that have been sitting here, like, when are you guys going to talk about fishing in Florida? So we're, we're going to do that right now. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit. We got, I know y'all do inshore fishing and offshore fishing. Um, inshore right now, we're, we're in summer, June, July, August. Oh, kind of what's biting, what are y'all targeting this time of year uh, inshore? Well, pretty much the grass flats is where everything's at right now. Um, the intercoastal is, is one of my main places where I fish a lot. Uh, the grass flats are full of bait right now. So you got redfish, trout, flounder, every every species. You can get uh, ladyfish, bluefish. Spanish. Yeah, Spanish, Spanish. even some pompano out there. Um, big jack crevals will cruise across the flats. So it's a really good time. You just want to get out there early. Um, and, you know, once the sun comes up, kind of pushes the fish deep or, or even all the boats going up and down the intercoastal kind of, kind of turns the bite down. But if you can get out there first light or last light and sling a top water, dirt bait or something, or even a jig, you can have some really good success this time of year. So it's a really good time of the year for the flats. Now, are these are these combat launches you're using? Are there like marinas where people can launch out of to, to get into these areas? Because a lot of you know a lot of these guys are coming in. They're on vacation. They don't fish a lot. They're just looking to sneak off for a day or two. Are there like marinas you can go to, or they're like well, mostly there, secret spots? No, there's a lot of public launches. Um, I like to fish the big lagoon area that's closer to my house. Mm-hmm. See, lagoon State Park has a launch. Johnson's Beach State Park has a launch. Galvez Boat Launch, which is in Perdido, has a launch. Um, Shoreline Park in Gulf Breeze, that's a great area. There's a launch there. Um, Woodlawn Beach around Gulf Breeze area, too. I mean, there's so many. You just type in boat launch, find some grass flats on your map and docks. You know, either just dock uh, docks with grass around them or just grass flats in the sound um, with sand spots. That's what, I, that's what I usually target is the grass points and grass with like sand edges or sand potholes um is really good but you can find any you can find something close to any of the public launches so yeah and i've seen a lot of videos recently of um i think it's uh chaz champagne with 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 uh, the matrix he's been down there fishing a lot of those boat launches for for trout and everything and throwing over there uh and that kind of brings up a good question this time of year in florida um, can you catch them with artificial? I'm sure you can, but, uh, or, or is, is live bait more kind of the, the recommended thing this time of year? What do you think? Well, I, I don't personally fish a lot of live bait. And the reason why is there's a lot of, lot of trash fish 
pinfish, um, you know, the ladyfish and stuff like that, catfish. So if you're out there throwing a top of uh, a uh, popping cork with a lot of shrimp, you're going to catch a lot of trash fish too, because there's a lot of it up in the grass flats. Um, now it might be a better bet to, to fish live bait once the sun comes up and you know, the bite kind of shuts down from the sunrise bite or the afternoon bite. Um, but I personally don't do a lot of artificial and there are a lot of live bait. And the reason why is I like to cover a lot of water mm. and you can't cover a lot of water throwing a lot of bait out there and letting it sit. So top waters, wake baits, jerk baits, jigs, you can really move around because um, you're not targeting a 10 foot spot. You're targeting, you know, hundreds and hundreds of yards of grass flats or docks. So you can really cover a lot of water with artificial. Yeah. Um, Matthew, th this time of year, you know, um, I know what the fishing's like in Louisiana and kind of what to expect. You know, you can go out and catch a limited trout, you can catch five redfish, the, the the fishing out there, the fish are obviously, you know, you've got bigger trout. I know you've got big redfish, but a good day. What's a good day kind of considered in Florida if you guys are out and y'all are catching redfish and trout? Um, really, it's going to depend on the weather and where you're going, time of year, all that. But this time of year, um, redfish, trout, we're only allowed to keep five speckled trout. Uh, we're allowed to keep one redfish. That seems crazy for Louisiana folks, but it's that way for a reason. We don't have the numbers that you guys do. We do have some bigger fish, bigger trout, but uh, a good day, you know, is going to be, you know, maybe a dozen specks, you know, maybe 20 if you're lucky. Um, and of course, you if you get on a good school or you're in a productive stretch with a lot of docks that hold them, uh, you know, you can catch more. But any day that I go out and catch 10 or 12 trout, um, three or four redfish. That's a, that's a good day. You're dealing with a lot clearer water over here. Mm -hmm. um, the fish see you uh, way way further away than they do over there. So it's just a different type fishing. Anytime we have people come over from Louisiana, you know, we always joke. We're like, okay, great. They're going to want to sink their kayak with fish, you know. And it's just not like that here. I mean, we have a great fishery, but it's unique in that we're doing a lot of sight fishing. Um, you know, and, and, you know, really trying to target trophy class fish, um, by seeing them before we cast to them. Yeah. And I mean, certainly, you know, we, we catch big, big redfish over here. And, and uh, you right. know, what, what about the trout though? I know the trout in Florida are typically bigger, although you don't have the numbers. What are kind of the average size trout that you'll catch? And then what, what in your area, <clears throat> that Pensacola area uh, that y'all fish, what's kind of considered a trophy trout over there? Um, well, I personally think that a trophy class trout is anything over 24 inches. Um, mm -hmm. You know, people talk about gator trout and here in the circle of people that I fish with, a gator trout is really going to be anything that's 26 and over. Um, wow. You know, and, and, that, and even a 26 inch trout, some people wouldn't consider a gator. A lot of people consider a 21 inch trout a gator, but like in my circle of friends, like Brandon and I, we, we hate we do a lot of, you know, trophy class trout fishing, especially in the cooler months. But an average, a good trout here is going to be, you know, 17, 18 inches. There's there's a lot of 17-inch trout. Um, you can keep them once they get 15 inches to 20 inches, and you can keep one over 20, I believe, is what it is. Um, so... You know, anything over 25, you got something really special in your hands. But as soon as they get over that 26-inch mark, they're growing in every direction, you know. Yeah. It, you know, 28-inch fish to me, 
like I personally have never measured one and photographed one that was 29 inches. So I have some that were in the 28 inches that I've measured and photographed. Um, but you know, of course 30 is the, is the unicorn. That's the pinnacle. That's what we're all after when we're, you know, anyone who's trout fishing over here, you know, it's the Holy grail of, of really of inshore fishing as a 30 inch trout. What's, what's the best time of year to come over there to target those big trout? Uh, winter time is when we do most of our trophy trout fishing, but you know, the springtime is a fantastic time to catch those fish on the flats. Mm. Um, you know, March, uh, you know, February, the end of February into March is when those bigger fish will start to show themselves on the flats. Um, but we do a lot of wintertime fishing for them in our mud bottom bayous. Uh, we're, we're fishing like pinch points, um, areas, uh, that have, dark bottom, um, or deeper water. So our trout, a lot of them will be in like our rivers and our upper bays and our mud bottom bayous. And so we do a lot of, uh, nighttime fishing for them and we'll throw really large swim baits and it's not a numbers game. Um, and it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, you go many a night without getting what you're after but when you do connect it's a pretty special thing yeah i've seen some some pictures that you guys have posted and just the, seeing the fish and the water the combination between the two it's like man that's you could you could go four or five hours just hoping for that one fish in that water it's great so one bait uh both of you one bait this time of year for trout that y'all would recommend without giving away your secret bait obviously unless you want to but one bait that y'all would recommend somebody coming over there uh, fishing for trout, what would that be? Well, I would have to recommend two. Um, and that would be a one knocker, you know, which is a Hayden spook. Uh, it just has one large ball in it um, that makes a large, you know, louder, more solid rattle. And then um, a Rapala shadow wrap shad. So those are going to be my two. That's a top water bait, a walking mm -hmm. bait, and then a suspending jerk bait that you can work uh, over the flats. Tyler, you're taking notes, right? Because I'm not writing any of this down. Yeah, we'll, and we'll then you, and, and you got to throw you got to throw a, a jig with. I, I personally always have, you know, a Slayer uh, SST XL, or uh, now we have the Slayer Grande. So I always have a paddle tail swim bait, uh, jerk bait and a top water. Those are my three inshore baits that I use. I'm, I'm going to ask a stupid question, but I mean, are you pretty yeah. much seeing every fish that you catch? Cause when I came over this past summer and I fished with you, Matthew uh, offshore, but you know, mm -hmm. I tried to go make an inshore trip by myself and it was like, mm -hmm. I could see as far as I could see to the bottom through the water and I couldn't see fish. So it was like, okay, it's not even, there's not even any point in casting because I don't even see anything. And it's so different. It's just so different. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's, that's one way of doing it. You know, there are times like in the winter where we do a lot of polling, you know, we'll just get out in our kayaks and we'll stand up and we'll drift a flat um, or we'll pull along or pull paddle along. And we're, we're looking for individual redfish or schools of fish that are moving through. But, you know, like first light in the morning, we're, we're typically throwing a lot of topwater baits. Um, we're, you know, hitting areas that we know have those potholes that Brandon talked about. You know, anywhere where there's an edge, either sand to grass um, or uh, a drop off, like our flats are pretty flat, but they do have an edge where the outside edge of the grass is where it will slope out and get deeper. Docks, um, any type of old pylons. 
So we're throwing top water and jerk baits before we can see our big paddle tail swim baits. And then once the sun gets up and we can see, you know, if you want to fish slow, you stand up and you look for them. If you want to cover a lot of water, you keep your nose down and you're just bombing, you're searching. And so there, you know, we're not always sight fishing, um, but you know, really, really long cast. Uh, that's why we use braided line to fluorocarbon leaders. You're, you're, you're making super long casts and covering the water as you're, as you're going through it, you know, so it's not all sight fishing, but that's definitely our favorite way to catch them. Tyler, make sure we, we get a clip of, uh, Matthew's hand motions there, how he, he's working that bait. I saw him using <laughs> technique and I want to be able to replicate that sometime later in the future. Uh, Brandon, what about you? Uh, <coughs> bait that if you're fishing trout this time of year, what what are you looking for? What are you what are you fishing with? Uh, pretty much kind of the same stuff Matt was talking about. A top water, uh, the one knocker style top waters that has the one ball in them is really good. Um, it's a one knocker, you said? Yes, yeah, the head of one knocker. It's got one ball bearing in it, so it's not it's a deeper rattle instead of a, a high pitch rattle. Um, that works really well what's what 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 kind of name brand is that i mean i fish a lot with the um the she dogs and stuff like that the you know um it's the same uh, company that makes the spooks the super spook and spook Junior. So, okay okay i'm gonna have um, to go in there and ask pookley is you get you know, any one knockers in here i'm looking for a one knocker yeah and the, and the spook junior the spook junior is a really good one especially um when it's super calm you know if you got some rough water or a little bit of chop a bigger profile. My whole goal to fishing in this area, which is completely different than when I go down there, is to try to be as natural as possible. And because the water is very clear, like down there, you want to make noise. You want to be seen because the water is dirty. Here, you, you got to be as natural as possible, quiet as possible, light leaders, you know, more natural, smaller profile baits sometimes. So like he said, the shadow wrap shad's a little jerk bait that's uh, very close to resembles some kind of minnow. Um, and it's got a very erratic action that, uh, also like throwing, uh, the savage gear shrimp, which is just a an imitation shrimp. And the cool thing about that, it's got a weedless hook so you can throw it and bounce around in the grass and not pull up a bunch of grass every time. Yeah. Um, and that one's really good for sight fishing too, not just for trout, but for redfish. Um, I, I haven't put it in front of a redfish that, that turned it down yet. Every single redfish I've cast that thing at two that I've seen and made an actual, good cast on them it's slammed it so it works hmm. really good for clear water and it looks very natural so. confidence bay what about uh popping quartz do y'all, do y'all use those at all we don't uh, if we do yeah it's with live bait if we use the popping cork just yeah. to keep the shrimp out of the grass that's about it okay okay now look the, the big thing we're all we're all interested in is offshore fishing and um i i i, I mean I, I just don't even know where to start I, I got to fish with Brandon a couple of years ago before we, we, we actually knew each other. And, um, I took a trip with a guy and actually the guy I fished with Tyler, I got pictures. He looks a lot like you. He's a big, tall guy. As a matter of fact, I had to go back and look and see if it wasn't you at the picture, but he was, he was from another area. We went out with, um, with Brandon. I was extremely nervous about going three miles offshore in a kayak. And I talked to Brandon the night before and, there's sharks out there. And, and that's one of my, like, you know, my, my daughter actually asked me last night, daddy, what, what animals are you the most afraid of sharks? She didn't even fish. <laughs> Freaking, you know, I love sharks. They're beautiful. But, um, when I'm in the water with them, it makes me a little bit nervous. I don't know if it's, if it's the alligators or sharks that make me more nervous, but I'm guessing sharks right now. Um, 
Somebody said, yeah, 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 we, we see sharks all the time. Yeah, they're going to come up and they're going to eat you. And, you know, it's, it's all good. But um, we got to go out and um, it was really one of the best fishing experiences of my life. Uh, and it's not, it's not, I'll say this, you know, and we'll talk about the different kind of fishing I do. I don't recommend it at all for someone doing it by yourself. You right. know, if you're going to fish it offshore, definitely do it with somebody else, but also try to do it with someone who knows what they're doing. Because the trick was, and, and, and fortunately, we were using all of Brandon's gear, um, getting through that surf initially. And I remember you having to pull the kayak out, getting it, kind of pushing it through there, and then me jumping into the kayak and getting out. And this was without a bunch of gear, you know, and then you kind of had mastered it and, and gotten the technique down. And once you get past that first little area where the waves are coming in, most of it was fine. Um, but the, the stuff we saw, we, we were in this huge school of cobia. Um, and I remember you out there and you were pitching um, one of those big giant gulps, those yellow curly tail gulps that we love to fish with. You had a big one on there and you spotted this big, you're like, that's a keeper. I remember you hooked it up and handed it to the other guy. We, we um, caught mackerel. We caught, I caught a huge red snapper. I don't know. It was like 15 plus pounds, I think. Um, it was just an incredible, incredible fishing day. And even though, you know, we only caught a couple mackerel and one big snapper, I'm thinking, this was a great day. You know, it's not, you're not going out there and expecting like an offshore, offshore trip where you're going to load it with, you know, mangroves and reds and trigger fish and all this crap, you know, and you just load the box with beeliners and stuff, you know, this was, we're targeting a couple fish and we come back. It's a great time. So the, the snapper season opened today in Florida. Is that right? Yep. I always thought you had to go out in a boat to catch snapper. And when I saw that you guys were catching a kayak, that amazed me. I mean, y'all are going, how far out guys Two what, two to three miles, maybe for the, I mean, our closest structure that we fish is probably a mile and a half off, but yeah, we, we'd like to keep it within three miles just because things change out there quickly. Yeah. But I mean, we've both been, you know, five plus miles out before, you know, uh, but yeah, three miles out, you're going to be in some really good stuff. We got a bunch of new reefs that got deployed over here uh, this past winter with uh, BP money and really excited about that. Cause that'll kind of spread out some of the pressure, but you know, we've been fishing uh, kind of private artificial reefs that we found over the years of being out there. And uh, so, yeah, we just get out there and, you know, a typical day is, uh, we meet before sunrise um, and we go over, you know, well, you experienced it, Sean, but just for the people who who don't know, you know, we'll meet at the beach and uh, we'll go over the gear. Uh, we'll go over the technique, the tackle that we're going to be using, try to get on the water as quickly as we can after sunrise and um, make our own bait. Of course, we bring frozen bait just in case and bring bait for the snapper. But uh, we'll get out there. We'll find the bait on the sounder and or find it on the surface and we'll catch bait as quick as we can and uh, put some baits out, deploy them and start our troll. And a uh, typical five hour trip is broken up between, you know, periods of trolling for mackerel, mahi, selfish, tuna, um, and then bottom fishing or fishing structure for reef species, cobia, um, red snapper, lane snapper, mangrove snapper, trigger fish, grouper. Uh, really, the cool thing about going offshore that's so much different, well, everything about it's cool, but the best <laughs> thing is, is you never know what you're going to catch. It's a box you know? of chocolates. 
It, it really is. Yeah. And, and I mean, we've caught some amazing fish out there. You know, Brandon has caught so many tarpon. I've lost count, um, you know, and which is by far the, the pinnacle of kayak fishing in my mind is a tarpon. Um, but, you know, we've caught plenty of sailfish. You know, we've caught some really nice blackfin tuna. Um, I've caught, you know, a tiger shark that was the prettiest fish I've ever caught. Um, I've caught, uh, you know, all those different snappers that I was just telling you about, triggerfish grouper. I mean, you just you just never know. We've caught Warsaw grouper from the kayak here, wow. which, you know, they weren't they were juveniles they were yeah. i mean they were big like what a gag that you would keep but little did we know that oh this fish is going to be 300 pounds one day <laughs> but uh it's only two of two of the three that i've ever heard of being caught in kayaks were caught on on charter trips of mine so it was pretty wow. cool well chris holmes chris holmes caught one which really wasn't a charter but he was he was fishing with us that day he's fishing with y'all yeah yeah i'm sure he yeah. was showing y'all around Oh, well, you know, <laughs> no, Chris, he's like, I, I thought of a thing or two. I know he's, he's, yeah, he, he's yeah. fished a lot of different areas. So, uh, we're in June right now. And I know obviously you guys are going to be targeting the snapper with that, that season just opening. Um, y'all, what, 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 what depth are y'all fishing in, uh, for those snapper? What, what depth are they usually running off the beach? So y'all are in some pretty deep water. It's not like you're fishing in 15, 20 foot, right? Yeah. You, you can you can fish. For, I mean, it, it just depends somewhere around 50 to 80, 80 feet of water. Yeah. Um, what's really cool about our area is we have spots in our bay that you can actually go and catch legal red snapper or even grouper. And that's in 25, 30 feet of water, even 20 feet of water. Um, that's what makes our area really amazing is we, I mean, I've caught legal red snapper fishing for bull reds at three mile bridge at night before, you know, so it, it's possible to catch them inshore. Matt's caught a, a good bit of them in his kayak at a gag grouper out there. But, um, yeah, once you get out past that 50 foot mark and, and 50 to somewhere around 75, that's, that's normal. We don't go too far past that. Cause that's when you start to get past that two and a half, three mile range. Yeah. There's just no need to go any farther than that. So, um, what, what's the biggest grouper you've guys ever caught off the kayak, uh, off fished off the beach? Probably the Warsaw. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how big pound wise, but it was, the Warsaw was probably one of the biggest ones we've caught. Yeah. I mean, are we talking 30, 40 pounds or bigger than that? No. That was no, probably no. 15. Yeah, 15. I mean, I, I've caught, I caught a gag in the bay that I just posted on Facebook. It was a memory um, that was, you know, in that upper teen. Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, those Warsaws were you know, mid to upper teens. Um, the thing about offshore where we fish for our snapper and stuff, it seems like we, we don't catch a ton of legal gags in the season. Yeah. yeah, it's mostly snapper. I mean, they're there and you definitely know when you get a good gag hit because normally you'll get, you'll get reefed and you know, you get broke off. But, uh, there's been a couple Goliaths caught well hooked out there. There's been one that was actually brought to hand a couple years back, uh, which was just a giant fish. Um, but, the, the, all of the really good big gags that we've seen caught out there by our friends, they've all been just out of season. It's weird. Mm. It's like they know when to bite. They know when to bite. What about scamps? Y'all catch any of those? No, no. You got to have you got to have a hundred plus feet of water for scamp. So, uh, yeah. One of my favorite fish uh, to catch of the of the mahi 
and yeah. the dolphin fish. Um, y'all seem to to be able to catch those within that two to three mile range that y'all go out. Yeah, I mean, it just depends on the year. We've had really, really good years, and then we've, you know, I'd say last year was decent. Uh, it's it's been hasn't been really good for about three years. Uh, mm-hmm. About three years ago, we had a run of three years in a row that were just. I mean, we'd catch 10 or 15 every trip when, when the water was right. And, uh, you know, this, you're not just going out there, just lucking in the Mahi normally there, there's, there's a bit of technique and science or not science, but technique to it. And, you know, you, you want to be near the right things when you're catching that Mahi and, uh, you know, those are just little things that you learn. No, those the, the, the little small chicken, chicken dolphin, or do y'all, y'all get any massage to them at all? Mainly they're, they're smaller. Um, I, well, Brandon, how big are the biggest dolphin that we've, we've had caught? Out Probably there? the ones that Marty caught the first time he ever came offshore fishing with us. He got some, yeah, yeah what were they, 10, 10 pounds, 10, 15 pounds, something like that? Yeah, probably 15 pounders. Yeah. yeah. They were some good, and he caught two of them. His first trip out with us, he hooked. He was hooked. (laughs) Yeah, and then then his next trip, he hooked a giant black fin with us. Right, man, I'm done with bass fishing. I'll tell you a funny story about the mahi too. So he was visiting, you know, getting ready to move down here, and uh, he was staying on the navy base, and he catches a mahi. Um, and I forgot. I think he gave that one to Matt or something. Um, Next one he caught, he said he said something about. Oh, I'm just gonna let this one go because I'm staying on base. And I looked at him and I just yeah. said, yes, if you ain't letting this thing go, I'm taking it home. Yeah. That's some good eating. The uh the, the size of the snapper that y'all catch early on, the big snapper, what what sizes do they run? Like a really good snapper that y'all catch out there? Good fish are gonna be like in the 12 to 18 pound range. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and that that's that's people don't understand um, the size of a snapper, like, you know, five to eight pounds is your typical snapper that, that, you know, you're talking about like a 18 to 20 inch fish is going to be like five to eight pounds, but every inch, especially when you get over the 24 inch mark, every inch that goes up, you're, you're gaining some serious weight. And then when you get to that 30 inch range, that's, that's like what we consider trophy class snapper from a kayak. And, you know, a 30 inch snapper in a kayak is going to test anyone. I mean, even like when Brandon and I, every single time we reel up a 30 plus, I mean, you're, you're almost like, okay, I don't want to do that again. Um, and, but like when you get a 31, you're like, wow, that's different. Yeah. 32 and 33 and, and pretty much like, you know, there's some people that brag about catching all these 34 inch snapper in the kayak and it, it just really doesn't happen very often. Like, We've caught a bunch of fish between Brandon and I and our clients and the group of people that we fish with that are in that 33 to 33 and a half inch range. And I mean, the head of a 33 inch snapper is this wide. Yeah. And, and like a 30 inch snapper's head is this wide. And so when you, it's almost double the width and I mean, it's, it's an incredible animal. Like you could fit, nearly both your fist inside of a 33 inch snapper's mouth it's it's wow. insane yeah it, it's they're a special fish you know and, and we're hoping to kill some of those the next few days oh, i gotta <laughs> i gotta believe y'all are y'all are just biting to the chomp to get out there this weekend huh oh, yeah yeah, yeah i'm gonna 
I'm the weather looks tomorrow. good, at least over here. It looks looks pretty good to, to get out this weekend. It's going to be hot, yeah. but you know, um, y'all get a nice breeze and and everything. Um, yeah. Now I know Cobia. I you know the first time I've ever tasted Cobia was when I was 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 out with Brandon. We caught and the guy I was fishing with. We agreed uh, we'd split up kind of what we caught. And so I had the red snapper. He had the Cobia, and that Cobia was so good. Um, mm-hmm. y'all catch some nice size Kobe over there too, off the beach. I mean, you can catch some good size Kobe off the beach, fairly close in too, from what I remember. Right. Early yeah. spring, there's a lot of Kobe that run down the beach and then there'll be some resident fish after the spring that kind of rolls into summer. Um, you know, there's a lot of small fish, you know, a lot of the ones that are un- just under legal size, but every once in a while you'll pop up on a, on a school of Kobe or C1 coming off a wreck. Or even get one trolling. My first legal Kobe I ever caught was I was fishing the GCKFA tournament trolling for King Mackerel and had a Kobe. I was actually fishing not too far away from the pier in Navarre and uh, hooked into a nice Kobe trolling on a King rig. And uh, that was my first one. So you can lock into them just trolling, but it definitely helps to know, have some structure or, uh, you know, they pop up a lot of times just snapper fishing. Yeah. We got a well, question that came in on Kobe. Facebook. Uh, they want to, somebody's asking if you and Matthew put out any of your own structures. No, we weren't. It's <laughs> the law. So you're not allowed to put any structures in the water without permits. And it's really hard to get, you know, permits for that. So I wish we could, but it's not, it's not allowed. What's the size limit for a legal Cobia? How big do they have to be? 33 inches to the fork. 33 inches. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a big fish. I mean, just thinking that's almost three foot. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's the thing that's so that's the thing that's so challenging about Kobe fishing in the kayak is uh, is knowing how big they are, you know, and what you can legally keep because it's not it's, it's pretty challenging like pulling a a cobia into your kayak to measure it. Yeah, they got spikes on the back of them, so if if you pull them in your kayak and they're real green and they start flipping around and spinning, you'll get cut up, stabbed. So you got to oh. be very careful. I mean, normally when we when we're pulling the kayak Kobe into the kayak, it's already got a gap in it, and then we're beating it to death with a bat. But when they're borderline, you got to get them on their lip grips. Ideally, have two people. Hopefully, one of them's in a pro angler, you know, and you know play the fish out, and then get it in the kayak. And I mean, it, it takes two two people with experience to measure one. For and sure. that's a good thing about going with these guys is that, you know, you're not going to have to bring it in your kayak, you know, Brandon or Matthew is going to bring it in their kayak. Right. I mean, cause I'm not, I'm not full. I'm paying you guys to, to beat it. to. I always tell my clients, I don't ever let anyone unhook fish. I mean, I've had <laughs> people who fish, they don't want people handling their fish, but I would much rather have a hook or get bit than have my client ruin a trip by getting bit or a hook. Yeah, so. me too. I would much rather you get bit or get hooked than me. Um, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> Plus, um, we know what these fish do. We know where the, the gill plates, the snappers have razor sharp gill plates. Yeah. I mean, me and Matt always make a joke when snapper season's over about our hands because our hands look shredded. I mean, they're just yeah. horrible from grabbing all the snappers. So, Yeah. And, and I know um, – Y'all eat the uh, the throats, isn't that right? Isn't like the snapper throats a big thing over there? Yeah, that's the best part for sure. Yeah, so you know, I'm sure you guys would would teach that. What about what about? Um, I know we we obviously we focus on kayak fishing a lot, but uh, surf fishing. If someone wants to bring a rod, I mean, can you can you surf fish right now? Is is that you know is that productive? Is that even a thing? 
over there? Yeah, I mean, you, you can pretty much catch fish off the beach year round. Uh, mm-hmm. It just depends on what you catch will depend on when you come. Okay. Um, right. You know, there's redfish swimming up and down the beach. Uh, there's whiting. There's pompano. Uh, oh, blackfish, apparently, thanks to uh, Chuck. Bain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Chucky B got him a bonefish. Uh, people have caught permit. Um, I, I got a, I have a good friend who uh, runs a Facebook page called Pensacola Fishing Fanatics. Um, a guy named Paul Jones, and he caught a legal cobia from the beach surf fishing. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, you, you never know what you're going to reel in when you put a line out in the Gulf. I mean, even from the shore. We don't do a lot of shore fishing, uh, or I personally don't. You know, Brandon does a little with his family, but uh, I just don't have the patience for it. I mean, I f- I'll fly fish from the beach in the winter for Benita, um, but for me, I'm launching my kayak. I'll tell you guys another story, too, kind of about what Matt said about uh, you never know what you're going to catch. A couple years ago, me and Matt were snapper fishing. I think we were like three miles off the beach, and one of our, our friends who runs a, a boat, a charter boat, they were snapper fishing two, maybe two and a half miles off the same area, chumming up snapper. And we hear him. Yeah, we hear him come on the radio, on the VHF radio. And he goes, Marlin, Marlin, Marlin. So a white Marlin swam into his chum slick and they flipped out a live cigar minnow and caught it. And they were closer in than us off the beach. So wow, show you, we could, we could hook a white Marlin out there trolling around. So it's possible. Y'all have caught sailfish though out there. Oh yeah. Sailfish are, are there are plenty out there, especially springtime. And once you start getting to the later months in the fall, September, we actually call September, September sales. Cause that's when we see the most selfish caught. So that's what I'm coming with. I've got a trip booked with you. Me and some friends are going out there with you in September. And uh, I'm looking forward to that. I mean, if we can catch a sailfish out of a kayak. That to me would be the dream right there. I mean, more so for me than a, than a tarpon. I know tarpon is, you know, the dream, but that, that fish, just seeing that sail, the pictures that you've guys got, that yeah. looks just incredible. They're, they're by far one of the most beautiful fish. They're the fastest fish in the ocean. Yeah. Um, just being out there around that time when the mahi and sailfish and tuna are out, there's a lot of graphs starting to come around, a lot of flying fish. Just being out there in that environment, seeing the flying fish, knowing there's sailfish and mahi around, um, it's pretty, pretty exciting out there when it's like that. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen we've seen like schools of ballyhoo, like the size of your living room, skipping across the water with mahi free jumping behind oh. it out there. Yeah. It, it, one time we were out there with Brandon and, and another friend of ours, Jason Downs, and we had like a triple hookup on sailfish. Like I, I, I got hit on a sail and it started going crazy. Our buddy Jason got hit. And then my other line went off. We had three sailfish on at one time on one ball of ballyhoo. It was it was unbelievable. Like, and and Brandon Brandon had a trip one time with with Brittany his wife, and we were all out there whacking the mahi, and they launched late, and they come across the sandbar literally in like how deep was the water, Brandon? Like eight feet. Yeah, we were probably 10, 15 feet, and I was sabikian bait. I mean, we were catching live cigar minnows. And, you know, Brittany looks down and goes, oh, my God, there's a school of mahi underneath us. I mean, I'm looking down at the bottom of the ocean because we're only in like 15 feet of water. And I, I, I kind of freak out because you're not prepared to pitch anything at a mahi when you're when you're sabiking. Right, right, right. So we, we ended up we had some dead cigar minnows. And we ended up just putting them on a circle hook and we probably caught, what I don't know, five or ten mahi. Wow. 
got passed out in the deep water. So that was pretty nice. I, I'm like calling, I'm calling him on the radio going, dude, you got to get over here. There's a huge school of mine. And he's like, dude, I'm catching him on my Sabiki rig. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yep. And, and she, I mean, we seen selfish that day. I think she hooked the selfish and lost it. And that was her yeah. first time ever going off or we caught we whacked the mahi and saw a selfish swimming unders, and she hooked one. So, um, That's well, and, the, and that 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 brings me to a point like what what Brandon just said about not being prepared. That's like Brandon and I have been talking a lot about this with bass fishing lately, and it really is true with offshore fishing too. Is when you leave that beach, you need to do whatever it takes to be prepared from the minute you shove off. And you can see, like I got this rod right here. I just brought in. Like I'm going offshore tomorrow and I'll be ready if a tarpon swims by. Even though this rod will probably sit in my rod holder the whole day, I'm not leaving that beach without something ready to throw at one, you know. And you just you gotta be ready. You gotta have a pitch rod ready, you gotta have a sling rod ready, you gotta have a live bait rod ready. I mean, you gotta just cover all your bases or you're gonna miss an opportunity. That sounds like Todd. I mean, Todd would be prepared. He'd have at least eight rods rigged up, don't you think, Tyler? Yeah, he would. He he uh he carries more rods with him than just about anybody I've seen. Yeah, I, I don't think it could be more than Matthew. That Matt carries fifteen. I, I, I carry I carry nine rods. I have nine. What? I'm I'm taking nine rods. That may be. It. I think Todd Todd is an eight kind of rod. Now, mind you, he's only fishing for redfish and trout. So <laughs> you need one rod. <laughs> you know, maybe he, maybe eight's overkill. You guys are fishing for a little bit different. Um, now I know one of the big things we started seeing a lot of pictures of last year that were coming across. And I, um, I tell people all the time, I said, man, I got these friends and you're not going to be, cause they asked me, you know, fishing off, uh, off the beach, you know, um, and kayaks, I mean, you know, for us, this dude, they're catching tarpon, they're catching 150, 200 pound tarpon. Uh, you know, I don't believe it. I said, I'll pull up pictures on Facebook. I said, look, you know, they get the big silver girl with the, with the huge mouth. Um, and they're like, I can't believe uh, that's going to tow you all around. I said, I imagine it does. I haven't done it yet. It's something I'd, I'd want to do. The the tarpon, what's the time of year that those those big girls start coming in that y'all can start targeting them? Um, right now is really starting to uh, be the time of year. Last year, we got into a lot of schools of tarpon around July, July 4th. July 4th, the actual day last year, was pretty much the most amazing fishing day I've ever had in my entire life. Um <laughs> And when you when you look down to the east down the beach and there was hundreds of tarpon just rolling like dolphins coming at you. Every single person that was out there cat that catched at them hooked up to tarpon. Wow. I hooked three fish in like two minutes. I, I threw a live bait out, hooked a fish, it jumped, spit the hook. I grabbed another one, threw it back out, jumped, spit the hook, threw another one. I mean, it was just insane. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen that video from where just our tarpon season last year off the beach was really amazing. Um, it, it's just nothing like that. Tarpon is probably, I get super obsessed with it because it, it's actually a really tough fish to, to dial in. Not everybody understands when to go, what to throw, and you got to put a lot of hours in just to figure that out. And a lot of hours of going out there sitting around waiting. It's not like you're out there waiting and you can catch other fish while you're waiting for the tarpon. You're not. You're waiting for that tarpon to come by, to swim by. Um, it didn't look like y'all were that far off the beach either. No, they run. They're running the just past the sandbar, probably uh, ten to twenty foot of water. That we try to stay in that wow. ten to twenty foot of water. Um, a couple hundred yards off the beach, right? Yeah, if that. 
Wow. Wow. That's close in. Um, so your charter trips, um, you know, I know, tell us a little bit about them as far as I know typically you like to take out two people at a time, I think is what you feel comfortable with. Right. Um, And what do you provide and what, what do the people need to bring if they they decide to go out fishing with you? Well, we provide everything but the fishing license. Since you're in your own kayak, we cannot provide a fishing license like you would do on a charter Mm -hmm. boat. Um, obviously you would want to bring, you know, the normal stuff you would bring while you go fishing, sunglasses, sunscreen, hat, you know, fishing clothes, water, snack, everything else, rod, baits, tackle, kayak, all that stuff we provide. Um, and like you said, we, most of us, we, me and Matt together, we kind of work as a team, even though we're two different separate businesses. Um, if, if we have a couple people that want to go offshore, we like to team up just for safety reasons. Yeah. There, there's no reason to be to be uh, stingy with the money or anything like that. We want to make sure our clients have a really good time, not only for safety, but to, to help teach them. You know, it, it's hard to teach people when you got five people hooking up left and right. You know, it's it's not possible. So if we get past two people, we really like to bring another guide in and help each other out. We've been doing that for years. So, And the, the typical um, time frame as far as. Uh, you know, when, about when you're launching, about when you're coming in, how long do the trips run? About five hour trips. And, and most of them, we're always trying to launch at sunrise. Um, yeah. The bike's usually better for inshore sunrise. It's easier to catch bait during the summer at sunrise. And, and you also don't want to be out there at 12, one o'clock and, and launch in the, in the dead heat of the day. You know, you want to get out there early cause and, and get, get your day going. So. Yeah. And um, what what are the trip what are the trips run as far as uh, per person? Um, offshore trips are two seventy five per person, and inshore is two fifty. Um, you get a little bit of discount if you if you bring somebody else with you. If you bring your own kayak, you get a small discount too. So um, okay. And I know so um, you you'll take them out. You'll provide the bait and the tackle and all that. And I know you guys go through a lot of tackle. I know if you're you're especially if you're out there catching kings and stuff. And even catching sabi, I mean, you're catching bait. For what I remember, you're having those kings and, and Spanish come up, and they'll they'll clip those uh, sabigi rigs right off. You know, when that when you when you're down there trying to uh, trying to bring up some some bait. So I always tell people, you know, a lot of people want to talk about going out and do it themselves. They don't want to spend the money. And I'm thinking, you know, by the time you get the rods you need, the tackle you need, the bait you need, hauling your kayak out to the beach and doing all that, you're better off just hiring a guide. I mean, it just makes more sense doing yeah. that than saying, oh, well, I can bring my cock and launch in a point of shit. Well, that's easy to do. You know, I mean, you can go and spend $10, $15 on tackle and, and fish for redfish and trout. You just can't do that for offshore, especially if you want to have a successful trip. One thing is, is you just don't are not going to know where these reefs and, and stuff. You can't just go and go pedal two miles out and drop a line down and catch red snapper. It's just, it's not going to happen. No, no. I mean, unless you got extremely yeah. lucky thing about, reef, but. Right. Well, the thing about it is, is we, we, we're, we both enjoy teaching and it's, we, you know, catching the fish is, is a big bonus and we, that's our goal, but we really want to help people be more efficient on the water, be more successful and, and learn safety and just kind of like share our years of experience with folks. And so you're cutting your learning curve tremendously whenever you book a trip. So we, we're encouraging people to learn how to do it on their own, especially if they have a good fishing partner and someone that they can go out and be safe doing it with. But, um, you know, the people might think about that rate and think it's expensive, 
But trust me, we're not making a ton of money doing it. There's a tremendous amount of preparation that goes into it. A lot of money uh, wrapped up in the gear and uh, and a lot of years of experience. And and what you get out of one char- charter with us will pretty much set you up with the know-how to go and do it on your own once you gather your gear and you know uh, get someone to go and do it with. Uh, yeah, and, and I'll and tell like you, like you say, you're not you're not going to just go drop a line out there and catch these fish unless you're like eric mahoyak who came in one big red snapper trolling a hardtail at one of our tournaments i mean you do get lucky occasionally but you're not going to go load the kayak with red snapper and mahi mahi um just going out there trying to figure it out no and if you want to go catch red snapper out you know in here you know on a boat you're going to spend four or five hundred dollars and you get to go catch your two red snapper right and, and it's over in five ten minutes you know the the, right. the, the long run you get out there, especially in Louisiana. I mean, you, you're running out there to catch red snapper. It's not like you're going to go out two or three miles. You're 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 trucking it out there. You're dropping down. You catch two red snapper, and then you're done. And well, then to get yeah to get to where we fish for red snapper in a boat, you would have to run 22 miles from the pass in either direction. Wow. So like yeah, so that's another that's another uh, key ingredient to what we do. Like our little slice of paradise. You know, we're over 20 miles from a pass in either direction. So for a boat to come there, they could go like six or seven miles straight out of the pass. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. we don't get as much boat traffic down there. The water has less freshwater influence. That's it's deeper there. So the that that um, deep water comes in closest from like where we fish to Destin. So like we've got cleaner water, less boat traffic, and it gets deeper faster. And there's a bunch of artificial reefs that were put there yeah. over the years. So it's kind of the perfect recipe. Um, so I know we're running out of time. We're, we're actually an hour and a half in and uh, I got, I, I could sit here and talk about this all night. Just yeah. curious though. I know we got a big uh, holiday weekend coming up in a couple of weeks, 4th of July weekend. Do y'all have anything booked yet? Um, just, just curious. Uh, do y'all have any availability that weekend? Uh, I'm, I know I'm booked on the sixth and the seventh. I'm pretty sure. Uh, definitely the sixth. That's the Saturday. That's the Saturday, the sixth. Yeah. What about, uh, what about you, Brandon? Just, I think just... I have that weekend open, um, or at least a day open on that weekend. So just Brandon and I on the 4th of July will likely be sitting in a kayak very close to one another. Honestly. So, I mean, it's yeah. kind of hard the year before last on July 4th, I caught a sailfish. And then last year I caught, we were on the tarpon. So it's kind of a, I think it might be a July 4th. The actual day might be a me day. So, so, no, that's, so a, that's me day. So, so when your wives hear that you had the opportunity to go fishing and make money, um, as compared to just hanging out with your friend and go fishing, they, they'd be okay with that, huh? Yeah. Uh, it, no, <laughs> they, 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 they have to deal with that. We, we get a couple days and that, and that day is a very special day. For but us. if they're saying yeah. you could go fishing and make money, you know, that's, yeah, that's not uh, bad. So uh, I'll see. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're trying to plan a 4th of July, uh, vacation right now. And, um, my daughter wants to go to the beach and I'm not totally opposed to going to the beach, maybe in the Pensacola area, as long as we're in the Pensacola area. That's right. That's right. There you go. Well, we could probably work something out for you. Absolutely. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> so listen, if people want to, um, to, to book a trip with you guys, cause I know we have people asking, 
Um, how, how should they get in touch with you? What's the best way to get in touch with, with either of you guys? We both have websites. We both have Facebook accounts. We both okay. have numbers. Uh, Brandon's Emerald Waters Kayak Charters. I'm Sales and Tails Kayak Charters. Uh, you know, you can just find us both on Facebook um, or you can find our phone numbers on either of those websites. So Matthew Van and Brandon Barton, they can just look up those on Facebook and they'll be able to get that information. Right. Yeah. And, and another thing, too, if you want to kind of see uh, a lot of our trips and a lot of stuff we do in this area, you can go on my YouTube and check it out. Emerald Coast Kayak Fishing. That has a lot of past trips I've posted of clients and then trips of me and Matthew and trips of myself to kind of see what, you know, you can, I got tons of videos of pretty much everything to kind of see what you might be interested in doing. So just go on there and check it out and see what, see what intrigues you. That tarpon no, video when, when it drug you into the beach. I remember seeing that one. That was pretty cool. We got yeah, a lot pretty of, much had a we got a lot of, we, yeah, we got a lot of grief for that video, but you know, some things you just got to share. You that, know, That's the part of social media. I mean, you want to share it with the world because it's amazing to me. I really enjoy everybody seeing this. I mean, I'm not making any money off that video. So I just want people to see how awesome it was for me to experience that. And that's what it's all about. And, to, and to have an audience there. That was pretty, that was pretty cool. Oh, there was people oh like, dude. Hearing what video, it. Dude, they what were video in, was that? I, I missed that they, one. What video? They were on like the sixth or seventh floor cheering Brandon the whole fight. It was unbelievable, man. This tarpon drags them into the beach. The whole oh. beach is lined with people. Early in the morning, people are on their balconies, like swinging their towels, screaming and hooting and yeah, hollering. There, there's people still Every telling year. that story today, I'm sure. I, I, I've epic. got clients from that. People said, man, I seen you out there one day getting drug around by, by a tarpon. I want to book a trip. So I've got <laughs> From exactly seeing me out there hooked up to fish. So. Oh, you still owe me a pair of nippers, too. Remember I gave you my nippers to cut your carpet <laughs> off, and oh, you threw gosh. them in the water. You remember that? The boomerang nippers. I, I wouldn't worry about them boomerangs. I was worried about that tarpon. Yeah. I know, I know. But now I don't have no boomerangs. <laughs> no, that was awesome, man. To be, able awesome. To, beach, to be able to catch a kayak, a tarpon in a kayak, and, and it naturally bring you to the beach so you can hop out, have your buddy grab your kayak, get and like flat. Epic, and a flat, flat calm. I mean, it was so cool. Like he jumped out, grabbed the tarpon. I grabbed our kayaks, pulled it up while we've got an audience of people cheering us on, get hero shots. We don't even have to revive the fish like because the battle, it was unbelievable how quick Brandon whooped this fish because it jumped so many times. And then the tarpon just swim right off in like right off. three feet of water i mean that, that's another thing too. another thing about this tarpon i kind of want to mention um a lot don't of fight to the death yeah don't fight them to death they're not very hardy fish the most important thing i can teach you or, or give give a lesson out about tarpon is put as much drag pressure as you can on the fish you, if you fight a fish for 45 minutes he's either going to wear through the leader spit the hook or break you off Every single tarpon, every or die. Every single tarpon I've caught has been within 15 minutes. I've landed them within 15 minutes. I have my drag locked down where I can't even pull the line out by my hand. So just a bunch of pressure on them, you know, break their will. And then they're healthy. You know, they're usually they swim off pretty good with a little bit of revival. How how big are those tarpon? I've seen the pictures, but how if you had to put a weight estimate on them? Somewhere around 80 to 150 pounds. So <laughs> it's incredible. Hey, did you guys catch that video of uh, 
the lady swimming out in Panama City like a week or two ago. Oh, with that shark, yeah. yeah. I think everybody shark was circling that. around her. I yeah. was just thinking, and uh, I was thinking, oh crap! All I kept thinking was, I'm gonna be kayak fishing out there, <laughs> shark circling around me. <laughs> I'm gonna, gonna, really worry about I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be <laughs> snuggling so close to Brandon, he's gonna think I'm his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Save you know, me. <laughs> they live there. They live there. And we seen we've seen some fish out there that would blow your mind. They're big. Like Brandon actually on uh, our last trip offshore, Brandon and Benton. Uh I was with uh Jeff Little and Brandon and Benton were fishing. We were kind of on two reefs right next to each other. And what that how big was that hammerhead be? At least 10, 10, 11 foot. Uh, 10, 11 giant foot hammerhead. hammerhead. Yeah. Giant. I mean that you gotta a, a 10 or 11 foot hammerhead's head is almost three foot wide. I I've mean, seen, I've seen shark. one that big, but I was, I was out of Venice offshore. We were a good 40, 50 miles and I wasn't three, three miles off the beach and I was in a big boat, not in a kayak. So, uh, and I was a little yeah. creeped out then. It's not the hammerheads I worry about. It's the bull sharks, you know? Yeah. Bulls are crazy. Uh, I'm not. They're more curious than anything. I almost, I know this sounds funny, but I almost feel like if a, if a hammerhead came up to me and tried to mess with me, I'd just grab it by its head and punch him in its eye. <laughs> <laughs> but the bull sharks is the one that really scares us. We've never had, I've never personally had any crazy encounter besides maybe hooking a spinner shark or, or the shark jumping and, or fish being bit in half or taken, but nothing's ever come up and bit my kayak or anything like that. You know, y'all, y'all well, that, any protection just in case any protection? We got a gaff, gaff, bat, paddle. I mean, you know, it, you know, you can bring your pistol and stuff, but that's fine. It's funny that you said that when I was coming off the beach earlier, there was an old guy, very intrigued, like normal, looking at the Hobie going, he's asking me about sharks. And he says, I know you got something in there to defend them off. And I said, I said, I'm not bringing my pistol out here to get rust on it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We did have one time, one time we were out, um, with a group of us, Marty was with us. My sons, but we have these bait tubes. It's a PVC pipe basically yeah. that has yeah. holes in it and uh, an opens closed door. And we, we used to use those primarily and you put your bait in them and drag, drag it. Well, the sardines, their scales will come off as they're in the tube bouncing around. And basically, you know, you're creating like a little slit behind you. And we had probably, I mean, it wasn't a big hammerhead. It was probably like seven foot, you know, real skinny shark, but pretty long. He come up and he was, he was grabbing my son's bait tube and running its head into the side of the kayak. And he would literally come up and grabbing it. And, um, and of course he, my son, he's been fishing with us for years. So he was a little freaked out, but he just kept hitting it with the paddle. And then a few minutes later, Marty was like, you know what? I think I'll catch that fish. And he like <laughs> pitched, a, pitched a rig out to him and hooked it and fought it for a while. We got some pictures. He, we never like, I mean, he had it right at the kayak a handful of times. Chris Holmes, I think was with us. He got some cool photos of it. But, See Tyler. Uh, that that's, was, yeah. Yeah. Tyler, that's why I want you to go with me when I go, because I know uh, I don't have to outrun the shark. I just have that run the native and I'm right. confident I can do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh lord! I knew, I yeah, knew, yeah. I knew some kind of slam was coming. <laughs> Here it comes! Here it comes! Well, guys, I have had a wonderful time talking to you guys tonight, Matthew. I know we were going to talk a little bit about the the Hobie Bass Open series, but that I think is so big. I want to save Let's it. Let's do it again. Show. 
Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I don't know if you'd be willing to come back on with us and talk to us about that. That's yeah, yeah, I'd love to. That's really growing in popularity. Um, Tyler and I, we were talking about having. Um, uh, uh, remind me the, the the girl who just won one of those events, Christine. Uh, Christine, Christine, yeah, 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 yeah and AJ awesome. and those guys yeah. to come on and, and you to have come on and, and talk. Yeah. That's something that seems to really be gaining some popularity. Tyler and all are fishing a uh, a tournament um, down at Lake Gunnersville in, in, in October. And um, for some people that don't know about it, I'd like to really get into um, the format, why it's popular. I know the payouts are nice um, and get some pictures and some more information about it. And I just don't want to rush through it in in two or three minutes. No, yeah. An hour and a half already. But um, again, I will say this they're running, Hobie's running a really tight ship. It's a great series. And, uh, you know, if people are looking for something new to get into or just broaden their horizons, or maybe they grew up bass fishing. I'm telling yeah. you, you will not regret it. It's a great group of people and and the way they're running it, it's fantastic. So again, if you guys are looking to book a trip, now's the time to do it. Uh, this is, we are right in the peak season right now for these offshore trips. You can get in touch with Matthew Van or Brandon Barton on Facebook. Um, Emerald, Emerald, Emerald Waters Kayak, is that right? And, yeah, EmeraldWatersKayakCharters.com. Uh, and then Sales, Sales and Tails. Yep, Sales and Tails. Sales and Tails. Kayak, Give them a call, charters. you know, Get a friend to go with you, you know, get you a little discount on that. Uh, I'm telling you, you're not going to regret it. You're going to have a good time. You're going to catch some fish. You never know what you're going to catch. Uh, I'm, me and Tyler, we've been we've been talking about a lot of the officers. We're actually talking about doing a group trip and maybe getting both of you guys involved and going out there and spending a weekend doing that. So get in touch with them. Um, again, if, uh, if you have missed part of this episode, you can check it out on YouTube or Facebook. It's also available uh, will be available as a podcast. Uh, I want to thank uh, Matthew Van and Brandon Barton for coming on tonight. This has been one of my favorite episodes. I've been looking forward to this one since we started this thing. Hope to have you guys both on again. Um, I also want to give a shout out real quick, Brandon Barton. I know you were a sponsor of the club. You uh, donated a trip, I think, at Paddlepalooza. So I don't know if that guy has called you up yet or not. I was really hoping to win that trip, but I, but I didn't. But that's okay. Is I'm, I'm going to be out there anyway. So we've got a trip booked with you in September, and then hopefully we'll try to get something with both you guys up and uh, hopefully learn a few things because I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Tyler, did we have any other questions from you, or did you have anything to add? Nope, nothing on my end. I don't see anything in the chat. So Great. Well, guys, thank you again. I know we kept you on a little bit later than we meant to, but uh, it was such a good time. I really didn't want to want to end this conversation, but it's, it's, it's getting late, and so I know we've all got kids and wives and other things we got to attend to. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Peace out. Bye bye. Bye.